I am about to be impacted and changed forever by the word of God. I'm about to sit down and lean into Holy Spirit inspired preaching this morning. Hashtag Sunday. There you go. Hashtag infused church. Now that I've set the bar so high. Okay. Mark chapter 10. And verses 43 to 45. Just to give you context for this passage. This is the passage where we had uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, actually approach Jesus and say, Jesus, we want to sit on your left and we want to sit on your right. Can you make that happen? And Jesus says, guys, 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 don't work that way. And he goes in and he talks about uh, some things to do with their suffering and uh, their baptism. But he then says this. So Jesus then calls all the other ten disciples together because the ten disciples are a bit ticked at James and, and John for having gone to Jesus and asked to elevate them to a position of influence. He says to his disciples, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over other people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Verse 43, he says, But among you it will be different. It will be different. Whosoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life life as a ransom for many. Heavenly Father, I thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you take these words that I've prepared. I submit this message to you. It's yours to do with as you as you, you please. I pray right now that the seeds of your word, that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you bring transformation to our lives to see what it is to serve and how we can serve in a completely new way so that we can actually change the lives of others through what we do and how we do it. Father, help us to serve the people around about us. Help us to take this message on board and own this message. This is not the message for the person that is sitting to my left or to my right. It is for me. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak to me through this message. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. From this passage... We discover the very reason that Jesus came to the earth. We read of the life that he fulfilled by giving himself, first of all, as a person who loves others through serving them and then loving people by giving his life as a ransom for many people around about. One of the most powerful ways I believe that we can touch the lives of of someone else is to do something for them that they didn't expect. 
to love them and serve them in some capacity that they didn't see coming. It's like what Alina said at communion, you know, like where we've saved for this car, we've done things for this car, we've actually worked our butts off to get this car, and then we buy this car and we take it home, it's sitting in our driveway, someone comes along and tries to steal it, but instead of calling the police, we actually give them the keys and the title deed to that car. You know, something so outrageous, so, so you know, just gobsmackingly kind and generous that it just blows people away and it changes people. We can do that. We can be a part of doing something like that. Jesus says in our passage that if we want to be a leader, if we want to have influence in our world to make a difference in our families, in our churches, in our communities, then that influence comes through serving others and making a difference in their lives for what we do and make happen for them. This is the whole thing about service that we've got to start to understand as a church and as a people. Last year, volunteers from this church went out into our community, both down at Strathalbyn and here up at Mount Barker, and did something that people didn't expect. It touched so many people, but it touched more than the person whose homes we went to. It touched their family and it touched their friends, and they bragged about what we'd done. You can't buy advertising like that. But you know what? We're not in it for the advertising. We're not in it for the advertising. We're doing this as an expression of our love for God and to influence our community for His kingdom's sake. It's about the kingdom of God, church. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. As Christians, we have the amazing privilege of serving our Lord and our families for our friends and in our workplaces, our schools, in our sports clubs, right across every facet of our community. If we want our world to know Jesus like we do, then we need to serve like he did. If we're wanting to live a life that's fulfilled, then we need to serve others in part to do that. If we're wanting our lives to count, then make them count by serving others and making a difference in someone else's life. That's how we do that, and it's called service. It's called being a servant this morning. So this morning, I'm going to give us seven powerful truths about being a servant. Seven powerful truths about being a servant this morning. You ready? First one, first point is simply serve others. <laughs> Rocket science, hey? Just, just serve others. Have a listen to this. There was a man who worked at a post office and had to process all the mail with illegible addresses on them. One day, a letter came across his his desk addressed to God in a shaky handwriting. He opened it and read this. Dear God, I'm an 83-year-old widow living on a very small budget. Yesterday, someone stole my purse. It had $100 in it, which was all the money I had until my next check. Without that money, I have nothing to buy food with. I have no family to turn to, and you're my only hope. Can you please help me? The postal worker was moved by what he read and he went around showing the letter to his co-workers. Each person donated a few dollars here and there. By the time that he'd gone round to see everybody, he'd collected $96, not quite the hundred, but $96, which he then put in an envelope and sent back to that widow. A few days later, another letter came from that elderly woman who once again addressed it to God. All the workers gathered around the letter to, 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 when it was opened to see what was being read in there, written in there. And it read this, Dear God, how can I ever thank you for what you did for me? 
Because of your generosity, I was able to buy the groceries I needed for the month. By the way, there was $4 missing. I have no doubt that it was those thieves over the post office. (laughs) What's the moral of the story? I'll tell you, even when you do good for others, we may not be fully appreciated. We may even get accused of doing something wrong. But in most cases, in most cases, there's a blessing that's associated when we serve someone else. See, the President of the United States once said, and his name was John F. Kennedy, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. See, being a servant means that we understand that God didn't place the church in the world to serve us. We're not in the world so that people come to the church and serve the church. The church is there so that we would represent our our Lord Jesus to our community through acts of service, through doing kind things in our community, through helping people that can't help themselves. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. You see, some of you think that you're actually uh, in the, the corporation or the business that you're in and you're actually working for your boss. You're not. You're working for Jesus. Because sometimes if you're working for your boss, you're tempted to treat your boss how he treats you. But if we're working for Jesus, we can never lose sight of the, 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 the immense grace and forgiveness and mercy that he's poured out upon us. The incredible things that he's done for us. The way that he's, he's helped us in our lives. He's given us hope and a, and a freedom that we never could have fathomed in, in our, in our, possible in our world. That's who I'm working for. And that's who I want to represent in my workplace. That's when I, you know, young people, when you go to school or university, I'd encourage you. You're not in there because you need to be there for your teacher. You're there to represent Jesus to your teacher. Show your teacher. Show your your lecturer what your Jesus is really like. When you're in your homes, serving in your families, you're not doing it. For the husband or for the wife or for your spouse, you're doing it because that's what Jesus would do. You're going to serve your family how Jesus would serve your family. Amen, Pastor Gary. That's fantastic preaching. While it's true a servant should indeed serve others, we need to remember it's not because we have to. It's actually because we get to. We get to serve Jesus. We get to represent him. It's a response from our hearts for all that God has done in and through us. We shouldn't get wrapped up in allowing what other people think to interfere with doing what we know is right based upon the truth of God's word. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It doesn't mean be a busybody. It means be a help. It doesn't mean to, to take the gossip that you've heard from the lunchroom out into the world, but stop it. Because if they're gossiping about someone else in your presence, they'll be gossiping about you in someone else's presence. Really? True. See, a servant has only one agenda. Their heart is advancing the cause of Christ, not seeking how the church can serve their own personal interests. See, someone went to a church one day and they called the pastor of the, the, this, uh, this church uh, to say that he was interested in, in going to that church. 
But he went on to explain that he wanted the church not to expect him to go to church every week or to give an offering, let alone tithe or serve in any way. The pastor commended him for his desire to come along, but told him that the church he was looking for was actually located in another part of town. The pastor gave the man the address. He wrote it down then, and then this man hung up on the telephone. When the man arrived at the address that he'd given to him by the pastor, he came face to face with the reality of his own attitude of not wanting to be involved, because standing before him was an abandoned church building, boarded up and ready for demolition. There's a lot of serious looks out there, okay? <laughs> Relax, it's okay, it gets better. See, the, the, we can't be a follower of Christ without being a servant, and we can't be a servant without serving. It's something that we're called to do. And, and let me make this, this clear as well, okay? We're not serving to earn our salvation. We're serving because of our salvation. Salvation is not because of the good works that we do. You might think you're a good person this morning, that you've done nothing really badly wrong. Salvation is not because of what you do. It's because of what's already been done. And it's accepting by faith the finished work of Christ on the cross. That was a good word. Secondly, we need to be an example. It's one of the... The seven powerful truths about being a servant. We need to be an example. Okay? A servant has to be an example to others. Jesus himself was an example. In John 13, verses 13 to 15, Jesus himself says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet also. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. In other words, there's this example that we've got to do. This, we've got to model what we're talking about. It's no good talking about all these things that you know, the, the Christian life does and, and accomplishes and, unless we're involved and we're in, in the game. We're a part of the game. A dad was teaching his son about how a Christian should live their life. When the lesson was over, the son asked his, this question of his father that the father will never forget. The son said to his dad, he said, Dad, have I ever met one of these Christians? Have I ever met one of these Christians? If you ever want to know what kind of an example you are setting to you in life, just ask your kids. I'll let you know. They're brutal. How can we lead others to serve if we don't serve? How can we lead others to be generous if we're not generous? How can we encourage others to engage with our community if we're not engaged with that community? Can I just engaging with the community? If all your friends are saved and they are believers, okay, you need to get out. You need more friends. Seriously. How are we going to influence our community? How are we going to influence our town, our workplace, if everyone's saved? Take me to heaven now, Jesus. But we're here to see people saved. We're here to engage with our community and say, Jesus is alive. He loves you. He's got a great plan. And we want to just release that to you. We want you to experience the goodness and the kindness, the richness, the the absolute lavish lifestyle that, that Jesus can bring into your life. 
You lavish lifestyle? I've got all his riches according to him in glory. He's got gold pavers for streets in heaven. He just chucks one down every now and again. I wish, although duck. Maybe we just need to be an example and let our light shine for Jesus. Thirdly, powerful truth about being servant is that we reach the lost. We, we reach the lost. Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You see, here we see again the main reason Jesus came to the earth. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. God is relentless in his pursuit of finding lost people, and we should be too. We should be too. This is a part of being a spiritual person. See, the thing that I've discovered about believers and Christians, and I know that this is true of my own life, is that when I'm not excited about my, my spirituality, I'm not excited about my, my faith in Christ, the amount of times that I talk about Christ to unsaved people and stuff like that dries up. It's, it diminishes. It stops even. But when I'm excited about Jesus, when I'm passionate about what he's passionate about, I have no problem in telling others about Jesus and who he is. This may seem strange here in talking about reaching the lost, but I'm going to actually give us a bit of a movie review. Are you okay for that? I want to give us a movie review. See, the movie Taken with Liam Neeson in it, okay? He plays a former CIA operative who is determined to track down his teenage daughter after she's been kidnapped by human traffickers while on a trip with a friend in France. In one particular scene, Neeson talks to his daughter's abductor after he's retrieved a mobile phone left behind at the crime scene. Neeson states his clear intent to seek and save his daughter and as he tells his abductor this. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Some of you are thinking, he showed that in church. I've got to tell you, you know what? Some people say it better than I can. I could go through that, that verbatim, but you know what? He says it a lot better than me. I've got to tell you right now, here comes the spoiler alert. If you haven't seen that film, okay, this is the spoiler alert. You need to stick your fingers in your ears or whatever. But Neeson, this character that he plays, is willing to pay whatever price is necessary to find his only daughter. After overcoming numerous bad guys, 
He finds his daughter, here's the spoiler alert, on a yacht when she collapses into her father's arms. He says, Daddy, you came for me. Bloody, beaten, but triumphant, Neeson holds his daughter and quietly says, I told you I would. I told you I would. See, Neeson's character gives us a glimpse of God's relentless pursuit of us. He refuses to give up on us. If it weren't for his unfailing love, we would still be lost. Without hope or a means of experiencing salvation. Because if God has pursued us, we should join him in pursuing other people in our world. And we should be relentless. We should be... Someone was relentless enough that week after week after week, they said to us, come along to church, come along to church. I uh, I think we weren't married, were we or not? No, we weren't married. But I used to go and see Jane when she worked at uh, David Jones in the city. And her workmates, who, other people that worked in the various parts of the store, there was a couple of guys there that were Christians, and they relentlessly asked us, asked us. I said yes just to shut them up. But they were relentless. And because they were relentless, today we stand before you fulfilling the call of God on our lives because they were relentless. Who needs to be standing at this pulpit next year because we were relentless? Who needs to be leading a connect group next year because we were relentless? Who needs to be leading a department? Who needs to be serving on our door, serving in some way? Who in your workplace needs to know that Jesus died for them and loves them? As a church, you've already heard me talk about this morning, our Snag a Flag initiative last Sunday afternoon, the Nature Playgroup, the Carols in the Park, the Lifestyle Village and the Community Garden, even our Fire Starters course. It's, it's, it's too full now. You can't be a part of that. There's a lesson in that. You snooze, you lose. <laughs> the community groups using this facility, the, the infused youth that are happening, we are going to be relentless in pursuing lost people. We're not going to do it in, I would hope that we won't, won't do that in an overbearing, arrogant way, but we will display the love of Jesus Christ to them in such a way that they get the heart of God for their lives. And through uncommon acts of service, that we will get the message through that we love them, God loves them, and there's a better life to, to be had. Because one of the values that we've stated about this church is we are a soul-winning church. We're a soul-winning church. We're doing all we can to reach the lost and every one of the, uh, uh, these events, these initiatives, these outreaches needs the help of people to help serve in them. There are people working their backsides off in these teams because there's no one to help. Can you? Is there some way that you could be a part of that in this coming 12 months, 18 months? Maybe, is there something God's put on your heart that we can engage with our community through? Has God put something in your spirit about how we can reach this community? Let's partner together. 
Let's get the word out in whatever way that we can. And let's make a difference in our world, yeah? Next one is valuing our community and the people in it. See, Jesus gave his life for the people in our community. John 3, 16 to 17 says, For God loved the world so much he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You see, the value for someone or something is seen through what's done uh, for that, that person or what's given for that person, that idea or that business, that area that we find ourselves engaged with. See, the greatest gift we can give our community is the gift of ourselves. When our community rejoices, we rejoice with it. When our community hurts, we all hurt. If we want a better community, then it's up to us to partner with that community to what it's already doing and what it's already happening there to strengthen our community. It's like I said a few weeks ago. You know, if you don't like the attitude or the culture in your workplace, you change it. You step up. You make a difference. If your, your community or your, your workplace is rife with gossip, you cut it off. You stop it. If your school place or the university that you go to, young people, there's bullying happening, stand in front of the one that's being bullied. Make a stand. Say something. Do something to make a difference. It's not about building a relational bridge. Sorry, it is about building a relational bridge, not about constructing a relational barrier. Nehemiah valued his community so much that when he saw it hurting and in disrepair, he pulled up his sleeves, he rallied the troops, and he did whatever it took to rebuild the city. There's a story told, a man who loved old books, met a friend who'd just thrown away a Bible that had been stored in the attic of his ancestral home for generations. I couldn't read it, the friend explained. Somebody named Gutten something or other had printed it. This guy said, not Gutenberg, the book lover, said in horror. That Bible is one of the first books ever printed. Why, a copy just sold for over $2 million. His friend was unimpressed. He said, mine wouldn't have gotten a dollar. Some bloke named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it in German. (laughs) See, sometimes we just don't see the value of people in our community or the community itself. But I'm so glad that Jesus does. And maybe we need to start to see the value of our community too. Because we're a part of it. We are a community of believers that can have influence in a community. And bring about change. Next one is that anything we do can be worship. Anything we can do can be worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you may do, do all for the glory and honor of God. See, the way we work, rest and play can become worship for God. It's keeping our eyes and our hearts on the one we're doing it for. It's how how we meet needs, how we engage with our community, how we serve people, how we believe the best of people. It can all be worship to God. The way we honor others and value and love them can be worship for God. I've said it a number of times recently, just giving someone a glass of water is something that can glorify God with. 
Matthew 25, verse 40 says, And the king will answer them, Don't you know that when you cared for one of the least of the important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you showed love for me? That phone call that you make to someone that just came in, in, your, in your mind can be worship. That meal that you take round to a friend, to your neighbor, that word of encouragement to your neighbor, to your colleague, to your boss, to your employee, all of it can be worship. Worship is so much more than a song. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, God's not unjust. He'll not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them. Can do amazing things. Next one is network with others. Network with others. Here's something I believe in. We need a good Sunday to have a good Monday. As believers, we need a good Sunday to have a good Monday. This morning is all about having a good Sunday. I'm not talking about having a good Sunday at home watching the footy on TV. I'm talking about being in the house of God, being inspired, being impacted, being transformed by the power of the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. That's having a good Sunday. We, put, we, we, we try to, to put on a good service here. It's not entertainment. It's what we feel God is leading us to do to, to, to bring so that people can actually encounter God in our services. We need a good Sunday to have a good Monday. We need a good Sunday to have a good Tuesday. We need a good Sunday to have a good Wednesday. We need a good Sunday to have a good Thursday and so on. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Then he says this. This is the first thing that comes to mind after he's talked about being, uh, doing uh, acts of love and good works. He says, don't neglect the meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In other words, the closer we get to the end days, and I believe that we're in the end days, then the more we're going to need each other to have a good Sunday. last one is thrive in life. Thrive in life. Thrive, don't just survive. Thriving in life is not about having all the creature comforts in life. Thriving in life is an attitude that's spirit-led, that flows from the inside out. So it's not about what we have, it's about who we have. That's what it means to thrive in life. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Romans 5.17 of the Message Bible says, If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the, the one man, Jesus Christ, provides? We were destined to reign in life as kings, the Bible tells us. That's our destiny. That's what Christ has made available to us right now, right this instant. And it's not about what you have or you don't have. It's about who you have, and his name is Jesus. You want to learn how to be a good servant? Then look at Jesus. 
Thriving instead of surviving happens by making something happen for someone else. It's actually living our lives and, and living a fulfilled life by making a difference in someone else's life. We get to serve others. We get to be an example, to reach the lost. We can value our community and the people in it. We can get to worship God with all that we do. We can network with others and we can thrive in life. Serving others isn't something that we have to do. We actually get to do this. That blows me away. We actually get to do this, to represent Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit in whatever sphere of life that we find ourselves. And in getting to serve, we affect and make a difference in the lives of others. We can live a life of fulfillment by making a difference in someone else's life. Serving can actually change a person's life. And if we change enough people's lives, we can change a community. And if we can change a community, we can change our nation. Let's stand. I'm done. Praise God.